0: Welcome back to Talk Green to Me, a podcast about materials and sustainability. This is a follow-up to our episode 23 on circular economy. On this episode, we interviewed Kevin Hudson, the Senior Vice President of Forest Resources and Recycled Fiber at Westrock. This interview was facilitated by Anna McDuffie and the team at Edelman, a public relations and communications firm.
1: started uh kevin can you please introduce yourself
2: yeah uh kevin hudson i uh uh, lead our fiber and forest operations so that includes all of our virgin fiber operations from the forest uh, as well as our recycling operations
1: so can you um tell us about where you grew up actually and how you got into this field
2: yeah that's a good one Uh, i grew up in middle tennessee always outside love the outdoors when it came time for college didn't necessarily know what I wanted to do, so I kind of combined just that passion of being outside with with a, a degree from college, and it ended up being forestry. So that was really the start of my career. From, uh, from there, I went to uh, Auburn University, got my master's in, uh, in forestry, as well as a master's in business administration. From there, I left school, started off in forest procurement for just the virgin side of, of the forest operations or of our fiber operations. And uh, eventually moved into both forest and recycle fiber procurement operations. So started off as a, an individual who just loved being outside and made a career out of it.
0: That's, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah, that's great to see. You just take what you have from your childhood into your career. That, that's really great.
2: I was lucky enough to stumble into a career that I absolutely loved.
0: What are the um,
1: types of classes that you take in a forestry um, degree or program?
2: Yeah, you have you have a lot of uh, obviously the, the the technical sides of it, um, forest management, uh, physiology of trees, uh, ecology, wildlife, uh, water conservations, um, business courses as well. You know, forestry is like any other uh, you know operation or, or, or business. It it has to have a financial component as well. But you know, really, you can choose different paths as you go through that the forestry programs in today's world. You know, mine was uh, initially forest management, conservation, and then I kind of tagged onto that uh, the business side of it later in my in my master's degrees.
1: Wonderful. Um. So, can you tell us a little bit more about Westrock and what it does?
2: Yeah, Westrock is is really a global leader in paper and packaging. We produce multiple types of, of fiber based packaging from sustainable and renewable fiber. That's the part that I, I think is just so incredibly special about uh, our, our our company is our main raw material is sustainable and renewable and recyclable. Make, make multiple types of products from both virgin and recycled fiber. So when I say virgin fiber, that's basically you know, fiber that's made from trees directly harvested from the forest and then you know ultimately through our our uh, operations and our participation in you know what we call the circular economy we also are able to um, collect and reuse packaging so that comes back into our operations as recycled fiber and we make new packaging out of it
0: could you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by fiber-based packaging in general what is it and maybe where our listeners and our consumers could find it
2: Yeah, so packaging, fiber-based packaging is is really, our our products are are literally everywhere. You know, really the box that ships other products to retail stores uh, or directly to, you know, your house uh, through e-commerce, fruit and vegetable boxes, you know, the the individual cartons that your toothpaste, uh, that you get toothpaste from in the grocery store, the milk carton that you get from the grocery store, uh, boxes that ship parts to manufacturers. You know, even down to like, you know, the little instruction manuals that are in uh, medicine packages, uh, even down to, you know, the container that you got uh, your food in from the fast food uh, restaurant and the paper bag that that was put into to to give you at the drive through. All of that is part of the, the fiber based packaging world that we that we operate in.
0: Okay, that's that's kind of everywhere. That's awesome. Do you have any idea or kind of an indication of what percentage might be recycled versus virgin fiber out of all those products that you named
2: yeah it's a good question i would say that there's there's virgin fiber and recycled fiber in all of those of those products people often ask me you know what's better recycle or virgin and i always kind of say well without virgin fiber you can't have recycled fiber you know, each time a box or a package or any, you know, any fiber-based packaging is recycled, the individual fiber strings in that box become a little bit shorter uh, and ultimately a little bit weaker. So eventually that individual piece of fiber is too short to be used to make a new box or a new bag. That piece of the of the recycled material gets washed out of the paper string. But the, this is the cool part about, you know, kind of my, my message of, renewable, uh, sustainable, and recyclable. Once that piece of material, that fiber is washed out of the the stream because it's too small and too weak to actually be used again, we use that to produce green energy in our paper mill systems. But the rest of it, you know, again, goes forward and, and is recycled again and again and again. But you have to have that virgin fiber input into the overall process to maintain your overall fiber strength um, and of course our virgin fiber you know we'll talk a little bit about it but it's sourced from uh, sustainable and renewable forest which is a huge huge environmental benefit to the world quite frankly so um, you know going back to your question how much is recycled versus virgin you know it really that will that will shift depending on geography or product uh, that's produced out of it
1: um, so I guess for people who don't know why do people choose some types of fibers over the others just speaking in terms of virgin
2: fibers um, So you typically see softwood so think pine or, or fir have stronger characteristics their fibers are longer so that longer fiber uh, creates the strength in, in, a, in a package so, if you think about your your boxes that are shipping uh products to you or the paper bag at the grocery store that you really want to stay whole and not fall apart when you're carrying your groceries all that's from long fiber or or pine softwood um your higher graphic materials so think about like when you when you see that uh, tube tooth, of toothpaste in the, in the grocery store with uh, the real fine graphics on it tend to be hardwood uh, products, easier to print on and, and more, uh, more definition around what you can print on, but they're not as strong.
0: Okay, I think this ties really well into our question about act- what the actual process is. So, if you could take us through the Westridge process for making fiber-based packaging from sourcing all the way to production.
2: Yeah, so, so let's bring let's uh let's take that question and and kind of introduce the, the circular economy, right? So, you know, circular economy at a high level, the production uh and consumption cycle that minimizes waste. Our process really, we are at every point in this process, you have to have the raw material to produce your your ultimate product. So our ultimate product is the paper and packaging that we've talked about. But to to get that, it starts at the forest. So our, our operations work with independent uh, contractors and private landowners to, uh, to purchase, harvest, uh, and deliver trees to our, our paper mills. We take those trees, uh, remove the bark off the outside of the trees. That bark, we call it biomass, ultimately goes into uh, our production of green energy. So, again, there's no waste in that process. The remainder of the tree, the inside of the tree, is then shipped up. We ultimately take those chips, put them into digesters to uh, cook them into pulp. Uh, we run those, uh, run that pulp through our, our um, paper machines, through the wet end and the dry end of the paper machines, to make uh, paperboard and container board. That container board is then shipped from our paper mills to our converting operations, where we make various packaging products, corrugated boxes, and other paperboard products that we make. From there, it's shipped out to you know, retailers uh, or, or other consumers. At that point, that material is consumed. But again, remember, renewable, recyclable, sustainable. So once that product is used, that in-use consumer has the ability to um, put it back into the stream by recycling it. So we collect that recycled material either through uh, our direct relationships with retail manufacturing operations or and uh, also from the residential recycling uh, programs that you see you know very common. That material is brought back into our paper mills where this process starts again. So that circular economy, if you're thinking about it, we're touching every piece of it uh, from the initiation of the raw material in the forest as virgin fiber all the way through our production processes into the consumer's hands and back into our production processes to do it again.
0: Yeah, I feel like I've always looked at the recycling aspect, but not as much focus on the uh, raw material side.
2: So the tree is in the forest, right? Uh, Once it's harvested, even the part that's not used in our production processes, so you think about the needles and the leaves, those pieces of the tree remain in the forest and ultimately become nutrients for the next uh, next rotation or next uh, generation of trees that are planted and, and managed in that forest. So every single piece of our raw material, the fiber, is used and reused and reused in a sustainable process. So just a fascinating piece of it. We, we were, we were uh, sustainable really before sustainability was a cool word, which I think is just fascinating to me.
1: That's, that's really interesting. It's, I never thought about, you know, like what happens to the needles and like the leaves. And it seems like you guys touch every part of that circular economy. Is there a way for you to tell like when you get products back for recycling, how much of that is West Rock? Do you also take in recycl- recyclable paper and packaging from other companies as well? And is there a way to tell the difference between the fibers?
2: We, we certainly work with a lot of our, our customers to help them with their circular economy and the participation in, uh, that they have within it. So so to some levels, yes, we know that when we're uh, sending materials to a customer and then we're recovering you know, material directly back from them uh, in, in our efforts to help them with their circular economy, we know those are our, our packages that have been used. You, you tend to lose the identification of, of that package in the in the broader process so you know really we're, we're focused on you know enhancing uh, the recoverable uh, process in general so whether it comes from our operations or another company's operations the the, the intent really is to recycle the fiber-based packaging.
0: Are there any current initiatives that you're working on to increase circularity or sustainability um, in the future, or have we kind of peaked when it comes to
2: that? No, I, I don't think you've ever peaked. It's a great question, and I think, you know again, West Rock continues to be a leader in driving higher sustainability and higher participation in in that circular economy today you know more than 97 percent of the products we make are recyclable but we're not satisfied with that you know we actually have goals to increase that to a hundred percent by 2025. you know we're continually looking for new ways to innovate the products we make to ensure that they can be uh, part of that recycled we also support our customers through uh, you know their engagement with uh, the the circular economy so we partner with them to help close that loop by reducing the waste in their packaging when you would order a, a product from you know different online avenues it may have been in a box that was a little bit bigger than it really needed to be so we're working with some of our customers to help them uh, I'll say right size the box to to the product that is shipping in so ultimately that customer gets the box and the product they need and our customer the one shipping it ultimately has reduced their demand for, for the material to make that box. With so a smaller box. It loses, uses less material, but it's beyond that. It helps the carbon footprints. Uh, we we work with different uh, industry organizations and associations to help educate uh, the consumers on what they can and can't recycle. So so question for you, can you recycle a pizza box?
0: Because I'm in this industry, I yeah. you know that yes, you can. I think we're the wrong people to ask.
2: But you know, it's it's a funny question because I ask that to to a lot of people who who are really focused on increasing and in, uh, recyclability and really focused on sustainability. And the answer that that I get probably more than fifty percent of the time is no, you can't recycle that that pizza box because it has remnants of the pizza in it. And and the answer is you absolutely can recycle that pizza box. Now, you know, would we? Like for the pizza to not be in there when when it's recycled, absolutely. Uh, But the box is 100% recyclable. Uh, But you see a a lot of of individuals and quite frankly, you know, municipalities think of like a community that has a recycling center. The recycling center sometimes will say no pizza boxes. So we're working with organizations to help promote uh, what can and can't be recycled.
1: Education in this area is definitely something we need more of. Could you name some specific initiatives or examples?
2: We actually have a a partnership right now with Domino's Pizza to help promote uh, the recyclability of pizza boxes. We have a a partnership with the Atlanta Braves to help increase the recycling rate at their baseball stadium here in Atlanta. But that partnership also helps uh, by using uh, the Atlanta Braves uh, name and reputation to educate fans that are at the stadium about what they can recycle, not only at the stadium, but at their house. So these partnerships help us to, to you know push the message out around what can and can't be recycled. Yeah, Nasreen,
0: that's something to look for at the next Braves game you go to. Um, do you have any other initiatives beyond education?
2: From, from, a, from a forest sustainability standpoint, we engage with private landowners every day with our foresters in, in each of the regions that we operate in. So if you think about it, the more majority of uh, fiber products that come out of the forest, I'll say more than 85% of them come from privately owned forest. So our foresters work with private landowners, small individual family owners, uh, on how they can uh, better manage their forest uh, for better production, better sustainability, uh, enhanced wildlife, you know enhancements of, uh, of water systems. So you know our engagement directly with landowners is a is a huge piece of, of how we're promoting that higher sustainability and, and, and a better circular economy. Lots of areas that West Rock is is engaged in on the ground with our customers, uh, on the ground in the forest with with private landowners, to continue to further enhance our overall sustainability and participation in that circular economy. So absolutely, I think we're we're leaders, but absolutely there's more and more that that we and everyone else can do in this process.
1: I, I really appreciate all the different aspects that you guys are working on to make things more sustainable and to educate consumers. Um, so speaking about pizza boxes, uh, do you know where the misperception comes from that they aren't recyclable, and what sort of has changed over the years to maybe make them more recyclable?
2: Yeah, I, I think you know it's it's ultimately that the the food contaminants uh, you know technology continues to evolve. Historically, I think there was inability to manage the potential food contaminants that were in in the in the packaging of, of a pizza box. Uh, over time, that's you know certainly been uh, managed and overcome Uh, we now very very safely can manage that type of thing again we don't necessarily want you know three slices of pizza left in the box uh, but uh, our systems are are capable of of filtering that out um, before the product actually is made back into pulp that then is made into the paper that goes back into our overall packaging so I think it's really just the technology the changes that have happened uh, and then I think the the industry historically had done a really good job of describing, you know, that it wasn't necessarily something they could use. Now we've got to continually re-educate the consumer that things have changed and that, you know, those products are available to be recycled now.
1: What are some challenges that you've come across in, um, like, trying to educate consumers?
2: I, th- I think... The continuation of the message, uh, how how you can broadcast it out. You know, at least for me, I, it takes me you know hearing a message more than just one time for me to you know really to sink in. So, uh, really, the education, the outreach that that we do uh, through the different avenues we've talked about, it's really that education piece that uh, we have to continue to to reinforce and reinforce. And like everything else, if you reinforce it and show the benefit of that change in behavior. Then over time, you'll you'll have a uh, you know, your consumers will understand. Yes, I can put that uh, pizza box into the recycling uh, bin versus the, the the landfill bin.
1: So I had bought this hundred percent recycled um, paper notebook on Amazon, and I was like, oh, this is great. Like the quality is great. It's recycled, and I was reading the reviews, and there were people who were angry. They were like, there's no recycled content in it. This paper looks too good this isn't recycled. And I'm like, no, just because it looks good doesn't mean there's not recycled paper in it. That
0: misconception is there that, you know, if it doesn't look like, you know, speckled or has some roughness to it, that it can't be recycled. But it's all about the processing.
2: It, it, that's exactly right. It's, it's, it goes back to the the input of virgin fiber into the recycled material when it's, you know, being processed. If all of it's been in that seventh cycle or eighth cycle of recycling, you, you can start to see the the diminishing uh, strength and visual characteristics of it. But I think what you would typically see is, you know, manufacturers will continue to have that balance to where, you know, quality is, is a, a huge piece of what our customers expect. So, you know, we're ultimately gonna match our products with our customers' needs, so.
0: about some challenges maybe with the actual recycling process. So anything that you still can't really recycle that still shows up in the recycling stream?
2: You know you would be amazed at some of the things that show up in in the recycling stream. I would tell you that you know there are lots of, of products that are made from recyclable materials, but it goes back to the paper and packaging industry has invested for decades and our ability to take that recycled material and recycle it back into another paper and packaging uh, product. Other industries haven't invested that level of of technology and infrastructure to actually have the facilities uh, and the end use consumer demand for those products to be able to create an economic value. So other products that could be recycled don't have as much economic demand for the recycled material, so even though it's recyclable, is it actually recycled? That's the that's one of the the large differentiations of of our paper and packaging recyclability versus other products that are recyclable but don't have enough of an economic demand to actually have a market to recycle them too. You can collect as much stuff as you as you want, but if you can't sell it somewhere to be reused, then there's no market.
0: Yeah, that's definitely something that I think people miss out on a lot is, you know, it can be recyclable, but if no one's gonna do it and no one's gonna use it, then it doesn't really make sense. For paper on average, the recycling rates are relatively high. Do you know why that might be? Why has, you know, paper in general or cardboard been specifically successful at having high consumer recycling rate in comparison to other products?
2: Absolutely. It goes back to that economic demand. So it's because there's an economic value to recycling that product and put in in a consumer that wants that recycled material that they then can make into other products to push back out into the consumer system. Other recycled materials could be recycled like that. There's just not as much of an economic engine for them.
1: And I guess the economic value also relates to the private land ownership as well.
2: Absolutely, you know, the United States is, you know, the land ownership is 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 heavily private landowners, right? You know, while we'd love to think that everybody can just afford to, to have land and, and not generate a, a um, revenue off of it, that's just not the case. So, you know, I, I use the words working forest. The only way you have a forest is to have a working forest in general. And that working forest has to have an economic value to it uh, and where you have that economic value, you're also as a landowner, you're incented to replant the forest after you harvest it. You're also incented to, to say, okay, how can I better manage this forest to improve the productivity of it, to, to not only maximize the value of that forest to them, but it also incents them to understand how they can maximize all the other benefits that come with healthy forest. Again, the clean water, the, the diversity of wildlife, the improved recreational opportunities, you know, improvement of the carbon sink, uh, which obviously is a huge global topic today.
0: Um, along those lines, do you have any challenges with sourcing fibers because of the privatized forests?
2: I think there's always challenges with any type of supply chain. Forestry is absolutely no different. Going back to the responsible forestry, responsible forestry. Uh, isn't just the the on the landowner. Uh, it's also on the supply chain that that harvests that material and brings it to uh, the consuming facilities, paper mills, sawmills, or other other manufacturing operations. So when you look at you know some of the constraints we have in our systems, logging operations can be constrained by weather. When you have uh, a lot of rain, uh, or in the winter, once the, the leaves drop off the trees, those trees stop pulling water from the ground. So when it rains, it takes longer for that water to evaporate, right? The ground gets wet, you stop harvesting when that ground is wet to ensure that you don't do any form of damage to the ground that would impact the next generation of of trees or create erosion. So again, that responsible sourcing, you know, ultimately creates some, some challenges in the process, but the supply chain is built to manage with those, those constraints in place to ensure that we we maintain that, that healthy forest environment. Um, obviously, you know, with private landowners, you know, there are millions of private landowners that, you know, the forest community interacts with every day. You know, you could say that's a challenge with interacting with that many landowners, you know, we use that as an educational opportunity and outreach. We actually have goals around how many landowners every year we engage with to help them understand opportunities to, to enhance their, their overall management of their forest. So, challenge, I look at it as really is, is an opportunity just based on the diversity of, of ownership of our raw material.
1: That's wonderful that you can have that one-on-one with the landowners and really work with them um, as well. Thinking back on um, just sustainability in general, can you speak to maybe initiatives you might have in terms of energy? And I know you talked about using some of the fibers that um, can't really be recycled to generate more energy. um, But are there other initiatives that you work on?
2: Well, we, you know, so again, our our raw material, you know, ultimately provides a large amount of the energy that we use for our our paper paper mill systems. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of change your morph your question a little bit to you know carbon impacts we're constantly looking for ways to reduce that carbon footprint uh, of, of operations through uh, you know backhauls of materials making sure that our supply chain maximizes uh, the trucks trains uh, that that ship our products to to our customers looking uh, at how we can help that customer with a backhaul of recycled material so reducing their, their overall energy usage through our, our circular um, footprint is, is one area where we absolutely are helping out.
1: Awesome. Um, so just switching gears a little bit, I was wondering, is there a product that you guys have recently put to market that you're very excited about?
2: You know, there, there's lots of products. You know, we talked a little bit about our, our goals of uh, our, our, our products are, are very highly recyclable. We're, you know, over 97% of our products are. We're still striving to get that, that incremental. Uh, there's a, a growing uh, focus on replacing plastics with fiber-based products. So if you think about um, the can collar that holds a six-pack of soft drinks, traditionally, that was a plastic bands that were on there. Uh, and more and more, you're seeing fiber-based can collars, is what we call them, uh, that are replacing those. So uh, our designers, you know, have been able to design packaging uh, of that product to where it can be, you know, manufactured, put on the the, the soft drinks automatically, uh, goes to the to the retail store, has the strength to hold up even if the material gets wet. So it's a very good replacement for a product that the end use customer doesn't want anymore. So that's a, a you know a small example of you know some of our technologies and innovations in working with our customers to meet their customers' needs. Gotcha.
0: At least 97% right now is recyclable and hopefully consumers are recycling the products that you put out there. Can I quickly ask, are cups like Starbucks cups recyclable?
2: Cup stock is recyclable uh, depending on the paper mill, that is receiving that some cup stock uh, again technology that goes into that three percent piece uh that you know industry is still working on uh there are there are types of cups that may not be as recyclable as others but again that technology continues to improve uh, and you know we we expect that you know ultimately technology will continue to, to enhance to where all cup stock is available for recycling gotcha
1: okay um, do you have a fun fact uh, that you'd like to share with the audience?
2: You know, we, we've talked about a lot of our fun facts through, <laughs> through this uh, discussion. I'll, I'll give you a fun fact on on the, the very start of our, our circular economy, the forest. If, if you look at the amount of volume that we generate today, uh, tree volume from our forest, it's roughly doubled that that was produced uh, and grown on forest about 70 years ago. But that doubling of volume has come from the same acres that there were 70 years ago. So in essence, 755 million acres were in forest land 70 years ago. And that same acreage is producing twice as much volume, which goes back to the overall uh, demand efficiency management of forest, which goes into the ability to produce fiber that goes into recycling and enhances our overall environment. So... Uh, twice as much fiber. That's that's uh, my fun fact for the day.
0: Wow, that's, that's amazing. awesome. Yeah, that's great.
2: I guess the other fun fact that I would always throw out there is fun to say, you know, more products than just fiber for uh, paper and packaging or lumber operations and things like that come from the forest. You know, there are so many products that, that are made from the lignans in trees uh, and other byproducts, you know, components of milkshakes, uh, toothpaste, all kinds of things have have byproducts that come from, from uh, the forest. So that's always a fun fact for people to know that part of what they're brushing their teeth with every morning uh, is a tree.
0: That's good. That's a good thing to start sharing with people.
2: <laughs> You'd be amazed at people's looks when you tell them that. <laughs>
0: And then one thing we like to ask everybody is what is one sustainable practice that you do that you want more people to do or a sustainable practice that you'd like to adopt?
2: You know, it's a, I love the way you, you end the podcast on that. It's a, it's a great thought or it's a great question. And I'll, I'll, I'll answer it with a thought. Um, make the decision to recycle. That's the, the thought I would leave anybody who's, who's listening. I would leave them with that thought. Everybody plays a role in sustainability. It's not just the manufacturers. It's not the, the consumer products companies or the retail companies or the restaurants that, that use recyclable material. It's ultimately the decision of every individual whether they recycle material that can be recycled and understanding what can and can't be. If you, you know, were to, to uh, Google uh, what is recyclable, you would get a tremendous amount of of information from uh, from the internet on what is and isn't recyclable. So my thought is make that decision.
1: That's great. I I totally agree. And we really appreciate getting to be able to share this, like all this knowledge about how the industry works and how making paper can be sustainable and circular. And I think with more just um, education. People will hopefully make the choice to recycle more
2: and be part of the system.
0: Yeah, and maybe they'll finally be putting pizza boxes into the recycling
2: system. <laughs> <laughs> and eat, eat more pizza and recycle the boxes.
0: That sounds good yeah. to me. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thank you so much for your
2: thank time, you Kevin, and everybody else. Oh, thank you. I appreciate the two of you taking the time with me. It's been a, just a blast.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Kevin. And thank you, all of you guys, for joining us. It was great to have um, so many people on here. And uh, we really are looking forward to the episode. Thanks. Thanks. Have thank a good you. weekend, everyone.
0: This episode was edited and produced by Manali Banerjee and Nasreen Khan. Music is by Shang Young. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at tgtmpodcast, or you can email us at talkgreentomepodcast at gmail.com.